Welcome to the Rags to Riches show with myself, Terry Blackburn. These podcasts are designed to motivate, educate, and to inspire you to take huge action in your life, to change your life from this moment on. I interview inspiring guests with amazing stories that you can hopefully learn from, relate to, and spur you on to achieve big things. If you want to follow my personal journey and all the different things that we do, please follow me on Instagram, which is Terry underscore Blackburn underscore property. Or on YouTube, my page is Terry Blackburn property. Me, myself, I've been from rags to riches, had nothing. Now I've built multiple businesses earning over millions of pounds. I have a multi-million pounds portfolio of property up in the northeast of England. I am by no means done yet. So please get in touch if you love the show. If you have any feedback for me, I'd really appreciate that. And I'm happy to help as many people as I possibly can. That's what this show is all about. So enjoy the episode. Take care, have a fantastic day, and don't just take notes, take action. Hi, and welcome to the Rags to Riches show with myself, Terry Blackburn. Now, today's guest is a guy called Tom Smith. He's the managing director of Dream Apartments. He's closing in on 1,000 apartments, not 100, 1,000. He has over 200 staff. He's probably one of the most driven people I think I've ever met. He mentors people now. He's mentoring a lot of entrepreneurs as well as a professional UFC fighter. He's, as you can see from his background, if you're watching on YouTube, he's a licensee of the 10X Grand Cardone program. And I'm really, really excited to have him on today. Um, so welcome to the show, Tom. Thank you very much, my friend. I really appreciate it. Thanks for asking me. No problem, mate. No problem. I think you've got a great story and I think... A lot of people will be motivated, inspired by what you're going to say today. So um, really, really looking forward to it, Tom. So what we'd like to talk about on the show is sort of your life so far and broken down into three parts. The start being how you got into property and business. The middle being the exciting part, the growth part, the big things that you've achieved, which is pretty big from from what I know. Uh, and then the current is just what your attention is on right now and what you're looking at going forward. So if you could just give us a brief overview of each of those parts and we'll talk through them as we go. So how did you first get into property, Tom? How did that sort of start? You know, I definitely believe it all starts from the age of 10 years old. Um, I grew up in a house full of love, but we were flat ass broke. You know, we were really penniless which most people were growing up in Northern Ireland in the 1970s. Because you also have to remember, we grew up in a conflict of nearly 40 years of a civil war of bloodshed and terrorism. But in my head as a child, I always had this burning desire to succeed. And yeah, as a child, it did. So at the age of 10 years old, I got a job working in a fish and chip shop because I knew money was power and power was money, but it also gave me a choice that I could make a decision whether I wanted to look at my money box on the money that I was saving as a young kid, or if I wanted to buy a pair of football boots or a tracksuit that my parents couldn't afford to buy me because they taught me amazing things. Instead of us having debt, if we couldn't afford it, we didn't buy it. So I took control of that myself by starting working from when I was 10 years old. Um, And then growing up as a young man, I always had that part-time job and other part-time jobs um, until I was 16, where I got a full-time job working on a building site in Northern Ireland. Um, It was quite different over here because the foreman was a different religion from me and he hated me because of my background. But I ended up 
and is respect and admiration because how quick I can move bricks and breeze blocks up and down ladders and the other parts of the site. I I actually broke them with my work and, and my work rate. This guy was actually blown away that he admired me in the end. Um, so things fix themselves sometimes, even during a civil war. Um, from the young age of 17, 18, when I was in the pub with the guys, I was quite different because I didn't drink. Alcohol wasn't for me. I knew at a very young age, alcohol didn't work for me. So when I was in the pub, I was always looking at brochures of houses and the guys are going, what are you doing? And I'm like, I'm going to buy a house. And they're like, catch yourself on. I says, no, I'm going to buy a house. So I was always sitting, looking, and then one day I'd saved the money and I bought my very first house. And it was in the year of 1994. And there's something special about that year because I bought in April 1994, but then the terrorism all finished in Northern Ireland and we had peace and house, house prices completely rocketed. So the house that I paid 34,000 for was worth 105,000 a year later. The, I put a large deposit down and the equity on this property was then released by me as a young entrepreneur, which allowed me to get onto the, the actual ladder of starting to buy multiple and multiple properties. So was I in the right place at the right time? I definitely wouldn't say that, but my mindset was in the right place at the right time. And when other people were having a pint and playing snooker or pool or getting involved in terrorism, I was buying properties. So that was a young side of me. As a young entrepreneur then, I got heavily involved in construction in Northern Ireland and the rewards from construction as our country started to boom was all capitalized. And I started saving that money and started building a property portfolio. As years came on then, opportunities arose and different things popped up. I ended up living in Dubai. Back in the day, my daughter's 14, so that was 12 years ago. And we were selling parcels of land to people and we'd done really well. We lived in the Grosvenor House in Dubai Marina. And back when we lived there, it was called the original seven because there was only seven towers in the whole of the marina. And now there's probably 700. Yeah. So I've had this rock and roll lifestyle of happiness, success, and I had all the dips as well. Um, so that's sort of that's sort of the property one up until oh. me. If you want to keep asking me, I'll keep adding bits in. But yeah. that's a little bit of the journey so far. Yeah, I'd just like to, to jump in there on the. I think that's quite rare what you said in terms of a 17, 18 year old lad not drinking, not going out with his mates that and doing what most 17, 18 year old lads do and had your mind on property. What, what do you think it was that sparked your interest in property? Was it always just something you, you I don't know, you were interested in? Did you have a, somebody who influenced you maybe at an yeah. early age or was it? If I base it on what I know now, if you listen to somebody like Grant Cardone, who's incredible and definitely the, the guy I look up, look up to most in the world, he's always about income producing assets. But as a young guy, I said to myself, hold on a minute here, bricks and mortar, if I buy X amount of properties, as you well know, and they pay X amount of money in rent, very soon when I've got those properties paid off, I can actually live off the income of those properties. So I always had that in my head. I don't know where it came from, but it just made complete sense. And it was definitely the way forward for me. And it's something that I stuck to. Um, and then the journey just kept continuing, continuing. And 
I was an unconscious component. I didn't know that I was calling all this on through the universe and attracting it. So what I was actually doing was internally writing goals inside my head before I actually learned the power of goal writing. But I've just always had that in it to win it mentality, whatever it takes mentality. And giving up has never been something that I would understand, especially growing up in a country like Northern Ireland. Everybody here just has resilience because of what we have grew up in. So I've always pushed on. Pressure is just one of those things that I deal with very easily. Um, and I just, to be fair, I'm obsessed with success and I love it. I eat, sleep and breathe it every single day. And I don't go to bed at night unless I get that win. If I have to find it in an email, I'll find that win. But it's just in it, the win it 24 seven. I'm obsessed with success. <laughs> I can see it in you. Me and Tom have, I've actually worked with Tom a little bit at the moment and he's, you know, He's, he's speaking the truth they I've had text messages at 3.30 a.m. when Tom's up working and writing his goals down. Um, yeah, man, he's, you, you do eat, sleep and breathe like success in property, don't you? I think it's, it's clear, I see, from the results, which we'll get on to as well. Um, but yeah, no, th thank you for that. I think um, it's interesting just to see how you got into it and to hear that you've always just had some form of interest in property. Um and also just picking up what you said, I think there's a common trend with a lot of successful people is they've had some form of adversity throughout the life and throughout the upbringing, which you're sort of saying you've had as well in the area that you lived in and things. Um, I think that is a common thing, isn't it? If you deal with that or you've experienced adversity, you get a tougher skin, you just seem to be more resilient, as you mentioned, which carries on into your, your yeah, adult life. To give you an example of what we would have found normal, my parents, when taking us to school, would have checked the news, not because they wanted to hear nonsense on the news, which it all is nowadays, but we used to use the news in Northern Ireland like a sat-nav because it would have showed us what way to go to school or what way to go to work where somebody hadn't been murdered or where somebody hadn't been killed or blew up because that was a daily part of us growing up during the troubles. So, you know, another thing one time... As a, as a young guy working for a contractor, I was working mm -hmm. on a police station roof mm -hmm. on this big police station. And in Northern Ireland, if you worked for the security forces, you were a target. So the policeman come running out and says, get off the roof. And we're all like standing with blow torches, putting a roof on. We're all like, why, what's wrong? And he says, get off the roof. And we all had to get off the roof quickly. And then he said, guys, we have just had intelligence. You guys were about to all get shot off the roof there. There's a sniper in the area. Now, we are like, yeah, no problem, okay. So what did we do next? We had our lunch, but an hour later, we were back on the roof because that was just something you had to understand was part of being a contractor in Northern Ireland. Most people would never get back on, but that was just part of our life. So It's almost, it's almost normalised, isn't it? Because yeah, yeah. Our, our abnormal life became normal. And it was just like having a cup of tea there was somebody going to shoot you. So, yeah, sound okay. Next. So, when you're ever walking into a meeting, the resilience you grew up with, you walk in bulletproof. Excuse the punt, by the way, but you do. <laughs> because you've grew up during that conflict and yeah, things, yeah, yeah. things were pretty bad. Now, would you look back? I would have never brought my children up in that, ever. But, but it's, it's made you one of the reasons you maybe are who you are. Um, yeah, it's, it's just my mindset, you know, can't yeah. be broken, will never be able to be broken. 
And I just get up every day. And one of the biggest things for me is my feet touching the ground and feeling the blessing of thank you, God. Thank you, universe. It's about realizing the property thing is amazing and money's fantastic, but seeing the face of your children sleeping and seeing a sunset and a sunrise, you know, being grateful for hearing the birds sing, having food in your fridge, a roof over your head, hot running water that we all take for granted. They are, we, I'm living the life of my wildest dreams and the life that I'm living, somebody and millions of people across the world would give their right arm to live my life. And that's why, like, you know, yourself, we're both practicing it very well. Yeah, gratitude. Yeah. Gratitude is key. Thanking your staff, writing your goals down, thanking your customers that you don't even get to see or speak to, but thanking them for them, for them existing. You know, the money's an amazing byproduct that comes with our successful life. And you, you're flying too, which is brilliant to see. But it's also always amazing to remember the little things are as important yeah. as the millions. Yeah, definitely. I want to get on the gratitude a bit later on because, um, like I say, I'm working with Tom and he's mentoring me and, and he's got us doing this morning routine. And, and I promise you that the difference in me and even what I've achieved in two weeks of practicing what Tom's taught us to do is... is Sorry is if I say tractor. No, 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 it's cool. We'll just run with the interview, see, see where it goes. But um, I want to get, I know the listeners because there's a lot of property investors and developers listening to the show I want to get onto that middle part, so that exciting part. So, how on earth are you million a thousand apartments? Um, it, it's crazy. So, could you maybe just pick some of the career highlights? So, through this growth, going from buying your first property in 1994 um, for 30 odd grand to you know buying huge multi-unit blocks of uh, nice apartments that you, you you put on Airbnb and things. Some of the highlights in that middle part and the growth parts. Uh, if we could talk about those. That would be great. Yeah, I think it's, you know, before I opened Dream Apartments in Belfast, I had doors closed in my face for a year. So, you know, my wife even said, when are you going to get to the point after I'd come home from Dubai, when are you going to accept no and just get on with this and start something else? And I just said, there, are you kidding me? Like, do you ever think for one second I'll accept no, ever? And I just, I would never accept no. And then... Savills International Estate Agents, who are fantastic in Belfast, especially a guy, Neil Morrison, a company called Marathon from New York, a hedge fund, arrived in Belfast that bought a ghost building, wanted to do a side deal with somebody for a load of apartments, which we did. And the next thing, my service department industry was born. The company was born. I brought the format back from Lebanon service departments in Dubai and opened it in Northern Ireland to start with. But... It's, accept, it's gone through the stage of no, 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 no. And being so resilient that no is always going to turn into a yes. Like Lee also preaches that too. No will always turn into a yes. You just need to find that connection. And my resilience was my connection. Since then, we've went from strength to strength. I've found funders that want to work with me, who don't want to take all my money, who want to actually have a... A relationship moving forward so it's been easy like that i'm looking at a 300 apartment scheme in liverpool uh on monday i've got an architects meeting for that but i'm attracting it now because i'm in it to win it all the time i'm putting myself out in social media people realize that guy's the real deal because there's so many people out there that aren't and it's just i think it's all down to resilience 
and not giving up where most people would. That's the secret in this property game. It's about picking good people to work with too, instead of people that are going to lead you up the garden path and waste six months of your life talking nonsense. You know, also find saying no easy instead of wasting your time going on all these meetings. Only go to meetings that will serve you well. Do your due diligence. Once you've done your due diligence, do it three more times and make your mind completely focused. Make the main thing the main thing. Get the deal done and move on to the next one. You know, there is no rocket science to this. You just need to be focused. I love that. There's, there's loads of gems in there. Just to pick a couple, you know, keep the main thing the main thing, I think, is massive. I think in the property space, is it, that's quite difficult. Oh, I certainly see a lot of people because there's that many different strategies. You know, there's HMOs, let's service accommodation, all these other things. People get distracted by all of the different strategies. They get analysis paralysis and don't take any action. Um, keep the main thing the main thing. I think it's great advice. Just going back to the hedge fund situation. So they um, so they sort of back to you like as an investor, I'm assuming. Is that to purchase it and you worked out some sort of deal? Yeah, to, we, 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 we built it. Back, yeah. Well, the building was already built. Um, the, building, yeah. um, the, the building, the building, the deal had fell apart in Northern Ireland during a bad recession. So there was a big deal waiting to be taken by somebody. They come in and bought 320 apartments and then started carving up into parcels. And they done incredibly well. And so did we. You know, the other thing that I really want to share with everybody is if I'm doing a deal with you, I don't know your current situation. You could be the richest man in the Northeast. So it's also just about saying to somebody, right, I really want to buy this building, but here's the sequence of events. It's 2 million quid. I'm going to pay you 500,000 as a deposit, which is non-refundable. I'll pay you 500,000 in six months. And in 12 months, I'll pay you a million quid. Now, I know I'm being cheeky asking you, but that's my deal. That's what I've got. And what can we do? And you might just say to me, listen, young man, I've got plenty of money and I like you. And on that basis, let me have a think about it. I'll meet you again next week. A deal doesn't just have to be straightforward. That's the price. That's how much it is. That's what you have to pay for. Everybody should be chancy and say to somebody, this is, what, this is the way I can do the deal. This is the way it suits best for me. And if you work with me, I'll work with you the rest of my life. Now, can I please do it this way? We don't have to follow these rules, supposedly. You have to have the courage to say to somebody, this deal works for me on this angle. What if, does it work for you? And what you'll find is some very high net worth individuals will say yes to it. It doesn't, there is no just, that's the way to do it. That's the right way to do it. And that's the wrong way to do it. If you're in for something, ask. Don't be, a, the worst somebody can say is no. I only get yeses. So I ask everybody. <laughs> love that I love that and, and, and definitely I think people can just from what you said there is being creative on your approach it doesn't have to be you're completely right there's lease options there's loads of different quirky ways to purchase property it doesn't have to be the conventional route no it doesn't um, and that's the word perfect that you've just hit conventional who said that's the way to do it but that's the way we always do it well then break the mold I'm, you might offer me a deal and I'm like yeah, I'll sell you, but let's do a JV. And you're like, flip me, that's even better for me, of course. But you don't find out unless you ask. Yeah, not, not spot I, on. I was always yeah, the guy that asked out the best looking girl in the, in the pub. 
What's the worst you can say? No. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's a numbers game, property, and 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 going on the pole. But we won't talk about going on the pole. Yeah. No. Um, I don't think I <laughs> it's a numbers game. <laughs> the more you ask, the 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 more you're going to get in it. It's the same. It's the same. Um, no, I love that. Love that. Um, so I, from my own research, there's Belfast, there's Newcastle, Middlesbrough, Liverpool, Manchester opening Dundee soon. Um, do you have a particular favourite deal? Was the one that was really stands out to you out of the blocks that you've got? Um, well, I see, I see Dream Apartments as my baby. And I love that baby. And I'm going to turn it into an adolescent adult and then into an adult. So I want everybody that's involved in my company to care for it, to feed it, to love it, to clean it. And I love all the deals. They're all relevant. And there isn't a bad one. There isn't a good one. They're all the same. And I just, I love the entire company and I keep growing it and growing it. I'm very lucky to be at a stage now, which I can't really tell stuff, but there's people wanting to invest or buy the company yeah. and people see the successes from it because I think you're going to get onto that anyway during COVID and stuff, which we'll cover. But, yeah, yeah. you know, winners do win. And we're definitely a winning company. Love that. Love that. Um, yeah, I think, again, it's just gem after gem in this session already. Um, so let's let's look at uh, the current then. So I've done the, how you got into it. I've done some of the highlights. Um, what is your retention on right now? And what's, what's the future look like for, I know you're very ambitious, so I'm, sure, I'm, I'm assuming this answer is going to be great. But what, what do you see yourself doing going forward and the future look like for, for your companies? Yeah, and thank you for asking me that because things are changing all the time. Mm -hmm. I see myself as a master developer and it's one of the things I write in my goals every morning. I also do little things to remind myself and I'd like you to take us on board too. So at 6 a.m. on my phone, it flashes up. I am a master developer earning 250 million a year. So I constantly am being accountable and brainwashing myself that that's what I am. And I love my hotel business, love it. But I see myself now going to the next level and building legacy buildings, 200 units, 300 units, 400 units, 40, 50 is great, but it's time now to start building at massive levels, massive developer, master developer, and being, that's the level I'm going to. The reason I love that game is because I'm so passionate about it. I am a developer, I know it inside out. And once I instruct somebody and I instruct a team of architects, designers, and a contractor, I could be anywhere in the world on a boat, dropping in and out of that deal, always checking on everybody, which will allow me to go on to my next business, which I absolutely love, which is my mentoring. Dream Mentoring has went from strength to strength. It's, it's continuing to. The group sessions are taking so many people. We've had a big influx this week for another group. The one-to-one -one sessions are incredible. They're all signing up. And of course, it's nice to be paid for be being a mentor, but seeing other people win is my biggest win I've ever had in my life. For the amount of times I've failed and then learned from my mistakes, then I have the ability to teach people, don't do this, do that. And it isn't come from a textbook or some Americanized thing that somebody's trying to bluff. This is my life. This is how I live it, and it works. And you're living proof of, of how successful it is, and your yeah. own money joined up. So master developing the hotel business. I've also started writing another new book called Whatever It Takes. My current book, Fearless, 
I'm about to sign for an international book deal. Um, and I genuinely, my life just keeps getting better and better and better. But I never take it for granted either. You can, you can see that. And, and there's, there's a lot of, you, you know, you're humble with it as well. Although you, you're out there you, and you, you're making some, you know, big goals and things. You're still humble with it, which I, which I really like. Um, I'm, just of, I'm just one of the lads. That's, yeah. I, I'm just a guy from Belfast who knows a system what works and I stick to it. You know, and I always would say to people, if I can do it, you can do it. Just a guy from the street. And that's all I'm doing. doing. Well. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, definitely. I love that. Um, so the, the, the development, which kind of leads on to one of my questions that I was going to ask at the end, but I'll ask it now. So obviously I've, I've known you for a few weeks now. I've been chatting a bit on, online on WhatsApp and stuff. You do seem like you're doing a lot of things. You've got this successful hotel business. You've got the developing. You've got the mentor and you've got a family as well, writing books, all these different plates that you're spinning. What advice could you give to somebody around the multitasking element of running multiple businesses? Um, yeah, and just any advice on doing that? Because I, just before you answer, I, I, I personally feel I'm quite good at multitasking. I, I do a lot of different things, but I also know a lot of people who really struggle with even one business. Um, what, what would you? What advice would you give, Tom? Well, I, I find it easy. And I do because I'll explain it in two different ways. One way is I close my eyes and I see all the different parts of my life as bonfires. So I'll see my family life, my hotel business, my development business, my author book writing business, dream mentoring, um, my off-plan property sales business, my roofing business. And I have also got two construction companies. Now, I'll look at all those bonfires and in my brain, I'll see them all. And I'll see my family life burning really well, making sure my wife's love tank is full, feeling appreciated. I'm spending quality time with my kids. I'm spending quality time with the dogs. We're doing stuff together as a family. So that fire's burning heavy. It's burning well. I'll see dream apartments burning well, construction burning well. And then I might look over and look at my book and that fire's burning low. And I go, I need to put more wood on that. I need to put more energy in that. I need to take more action. What are you going to do, Tom? Hold on, grab a bucket of petrol, boosh, <laughs> and the fire burns. And I always close my eyes and I need to see them all burning equally. And if they don't, I know what one to put fuel on and I step it up, I take massive action and I make it happen. The other thing that I do is, I'm privileged to be doing this meeting with you now and the podcast, but when I walk out of here, I'll put a different cap on and I'll turn into a marketing guy and I'll have my marketing meeting. I've then to go to a building site in Belfast where we're building social housing. I'll send you a photograph. And when I put that hat, that hat on, I'm the developer. I'm the guy who's looking for snags. Why is that bucket of cement went hard? Why have we wasted that money? And everybody's like, he misses nothing. Then I'll come back. I might drive down the road and be the loving dad. Then I'll go to my accountant. I'll be sharp as a tack. Where are we going? What are we doing? Why are we paying this? What should we be doing? And I put different hats on and become a different person in all of those businesses. And then I go home. And sometimes if I still have one of those hats on, my wife will say, you're home now. Watch what way you're speaking to me. And I'll go, <laughs> you're right. You're right. I'm sorry. I forgot I was still in work mode. And she brings me back down to Chinatown in two seconds flat. So that's, that's my answer for you. Yeah. No, 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 that's great. I think, um, I think what I'm picking up there is, yeah, 
not to it. You, I think you must be very self-aware because in order to be, in order to take one hat off and put a different one on, you've got to be very self-aware of who you are and what you what's the right course of action in the right situation, right? I love the bonfire analogy. That's I pictured the bonfires when you were doing that and and throwing the petrol on and the wood on that. I think that's a great uh, you know analogy, but it's also great that get them equally. But what I, what, what I have to show you is too. I'm not one of these unique individuals recently. And I'm more than happy to tell. I've been living in Manchester three or four days a week. And my relationship, marriage, time with my kids all started going out. Smoke started coming out instead of fire. And I had to go, hold on, I'm a dad. I'm a loving husband here too. And all of my energy was going into business. And that fire nearly went out. So I'm really lucky that I was able to stoke that fire back up into a burning inferno. Because my two daughters are my life. My wife is a 20 out of 10. Such a clever, amazing woman. Why would I want to lose that when I just simply need to do what I teach in the mentoring program? Have a balance because it, it does exist. Getting up really early in the morning lets me do a lot more. But I need to remember my family's number one. That fire is the most important fire. And it nearly went out. And I saved it before it did. So that's why that analogy really works for me too. Yeah, I love that. And I think it's a powerful thing because, again, being self-aware, being aware that the fire's going out. Some people are, I know people who are too focused on the career and making money and all that, and they don't even know what's going on on their other bonfires and, and they neglect that and it goes out completely. The and then biggest you- win I've had this week was taking my daughter to school today and having the most craziest laugh in the car. And it was just hilarious. The time I spent with Farah this morning, and, you know, going home tonight and my 21-year-old's going out and she looks stunning. So so does Farah, so does my wife. But to see them kids happy and secure, that that out-trumps everything else, you know. And yeah. sometimes people need to remember that. Yeah, what definitely. You, what are you working for? I'm working for a legacy to give those kids a life of their wildest dreams, but also as really two hard-working female warriors too. Love that. Love that. If anything like you, I'm sure there'll be. Yeah, I'm sure there'll be warriors. Um, don't really take shit off anybody, should I? Say? Yeah, yeah I, I can imagine that. Yeah. Well, he said there's a video of one of them hitting the pads today. I wouldn't like to spoil that, but I'll be just 14. 14. She hits like she hits like a pro. <laughs> I can imagine. Um, no, I love that. Thank you for that. I think that's a really, really good point, and I hope that people listening or watching can. Uh, relate to that and maybe think about their own bonfires and think about is there some do I need to put some water petrol on a certain one get them nice and balanced I think that's great advice um, thanks Tom a um, couple more questions so I'm right in saying I don't know the exact number from my research but there's hundreds and hundreds of properties you have bought within a short space of time you're talking a couple of years here um, what advice would you give to other property developers or investors or people just in business, I suppose, on scaling up at such a rate and such a short space of time? What advice could you give to people wanting to do that or going through that now? I think, you know, it has to be relatable. Um, You have to buy properties that people want. Um, I think one of the big things that I always try, not try, I do, is not to buy trophy buildings. Um, because if you buy a trophy building, sometimes it's your ego ban and you're like, yeah, and you're falling in love with it instead of realizing what the user needs it for. And then you're not getting the right yield on it. And there will be times 
for successful individuals like yourself as you go through the process of retaining a gorgeous building and you deserve to and your money and your reserves will let you but in the meantime we need to always have buildings that are completely rentable all the time that become covid proof also you know there's so many things we need to be looking at um so if i was going to give anybody advice i would always say what rents what's affordable for people is what i always stick to um the great thing about me is the properties that we retain so i buy and retain i also lease them back to my, my dream apartments company so dream apartments is paying off my own debt it's a win-win think on your feet no that always. again going back to one of your first points being creative it's not always it doesn't always have to be conventional just um just on that so um I definitely agree, by the way, you know, I think too many people in property, emotion takes over logic and the you've got to let the numbers guide you, not your heart or your gut. You know, gut's important, I feel also, but it's, well, it's, I, it's, I, it's I numbers, spend, isn't it? I could spend stupid money on putting recessed ceilings in the buildings that I don't need to put money into. You know, we've just finished a block of apartments in Belfast. Well, we're finishing it for social housing. I'm delighted to be doing something, giving back the community, but I don't need to put recessed ceilings in and, and waste another 30,000 on something because I like recessed ceilings. Yeah. Some people do. I know, but let's yeah. put a nice chrome fitting up. Why? You're also probably going to break the specification and be penalized for it. You know, if you're doing high end, do high end. If you don't need to do it, don't. You know, it's... A dream, dream apartment's mainly one and two beds apartments, right? With a little kitchenette. That's... Yeah, studios, one bed studios. Okay, cool. And it's all rented out on a nightly basis, isn't it? We're just Every like day. a hotel, yeah, but we'll have a lot of long-term clients now paying a nightly rate. Um, and then I know you're you're going to be moving on to COVID. I'll answer any questions to do with you. Yeah, because I think that, that links to that nicely. So obviously I know how you've done this from our conversations, but I think it's a really interesting point. Um, so during COVID, obviously the service accommodation hotel that sector was obviously obliterated probably hundreds if not thousands of hotel type businesses went bust i'm assuming oh, um, yeah i mean they really really struggled they were hit massively just to, put, just to put that into perspective we work with a company from la called newbrook they're our software a provider and they were sharing information with us out of all their clients hundreds Ourselves and a company in Norway were the only people that survived COVID. Everybody else went bust. Really? Which is so scary and sad. Yeah. You know, it really, you think the amount of people affected there are buildings taken back off people, unemployment, people losing their houses because of no jobs. You know, that's the part of COVID people don't see. Yeah. Yeah, no, no you're, you're right. You're right. And, and that makes, you know, what you're about to say probably even more impressive. So could you just tell the listeners... What you decided to do, obviously, when COVID hit, uh, in terms of this pivot that you made at Dream Apartments to make sure they were still all filled and you turned a really negative situation into a, a positive one. Yeah. So, in anything I do, even when I'm in the gym, there's two words I use in all my life massive action. So, we took massive action. As the world and people were running to the hills for safety, as, and, and rightly so we decided to take massive action. We were very blessed in the service department, a part hotel industry, we were allowed to be open. Hotels had to close, we were allowed to be open. So 
we seen it upon ourselves that we were also, and we were granted this, that we were essential workers as well. Now, what did we do? We started making 5,000 sales calls a week. Now, 4,500 sales calls sometimes is an empty dead phone because people aren't at work or are furloughed or companies have went bust. But what did we do? We started getting the 500 a week that were. So we had Amazon staying with us. We had people that were working in the ports, airports, police, nurses, right across the whole board, all essential industries and all essential businesses. We put it out to everyone that we were open. So we were actually helping keep the cogs of our economy going. Construction, which I think was a brilliant move by Boris Johnson, was still allowed to carry on. We started getting construction, but everybody staying with us, all the foremen, the architects. What did I do? I decided to walk the streets of every city and walk into every building site. In Manchester, we opened on the 4th of January and a grade five, the highest lockdown that there could be. And two weeks later, we were fully booked. I even shared it with the Grand Cardone team who played it in front of all, everybody in Miami. How did we do that? We took massive action. So every foreman in every building site knew the Irish guy called Tom. And when there was welders coming from a different city or fitters or plasterers, they would have WhatsApp me and my sales team. And then they were staying with us. We also took massive action. And instead of staying a service department company and struggling in cities like Liverpool and Manchester, we also became an estate agent. So we rented our apartments out on a monthly basis and started having, instead of having 20 empty apartments, we had 20 additional full apartments from people paying a monthly rent, which included all their bills. And we just started winning, winning. So we started not only surviving, but started thriving which enabled us to do something quite insane, but calculated. And we took on an additional 220 apartments during a global pandemic and expanded when nobody else in the world even thought of doing it. We were doing it. A massive action was the thing that enabled us to do that. that, that, that that's unreal. And just to clarify, in case you were making 5,000 outbound calls, you were you your sales team were targeting... Construction firms, police, all these industries, so sometimes industries call, essential workers. Sometimes it's a dead call. So when you're phoning that, phone down straight on the next one on a database with all the numbers, we're just boom, 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 boom. And then if I'm walking around cities and I'm seeing different construction companies, what I do is I take photographs of everybody that's working in the city, send it through to my sales team in the snow and the rain, walking, a managing director. So what? It's my company, it's my baby, it's my livelihood. That's my staff that I have a duty of making sure that they survive COVID too. So we did whatever it takes to survive and we won. Followed every lead, asked for referrals, kept winning. And we done really well through COVID because we took massive action. Love that, absolutely love that. And again, there's a lot of... Grand Cardone stuff in there, similar to what you're saying, isn't it? It's the massive action thing. And when other people are retracting, you progress and all that. And, and that's exactly what you've done. And fair play, man. Fair play. Um, yeah, it's a testament to you and your, your, your mindset, I feel. Um, just before going to the, the last couple of questions, just on mindset. So I'm doing some mentoring with, with Tom. Um, you could probably talk about <laughs> mindset for the full session. But... Um, 
just around mindset, how do you keep this type mindset that you've got? It's probably just the, the norm now because you've done it for so long, but maybe oh, someone definitely. who doubt, maybe someone who's got a bit self-doubt, you know, how, how would you switch the yeah. you know, that mindset? I, I need to disagree with you there because I am definitely a human being too, which some people don't think I am. They think I'm a machine. Um, I think I'm a machine also, but <laughs> the time I can go through months of gold, mm. gratitude, mantra, and I'm boom, 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 all day, every day, on fire, high octane. And then one morning, I'll wake up and I'll get attacked, dread, anxiety, fear. And I'll be like, oh my goodness, what has happened here? And like I wrote my book, Fearless, I've taught myself to fearless or be fearless. And I also understand dread, anxiety, and pain exist here. For anybody listening on the podcast, I'm showing my hand at a certain level and then my other hand above it. If I'm in on that level, it's like being on a radio frequency. I may be on a frequency that's dread, anxiety, and pain. I don't want to be on it. So I will find the triggers to get myself out of it and get up into positivity and success and happiness frequency because they both can't live on the same plateau. And I will find the trigger. Some mornings it'll be high intense cardio. Sometimes it'll be a photograph of my wife and kids. Other times it might be a tune in the car, like, don't laugh, the pussycat dolls or something crazy. And I'm like, (laughs) I will find that trigger. And I'll come into the office and nobody will even know that I might have went through three or four hours of pain before I come in. Now, you have to remember, I get up at four o'clock. But I, I'll fight that for three or four hours and not, not let it beat me. And I'll come in at high octane level. But it's about realizing your mindset is everything. But having a bad day is a choice. I don't choose to have one. And I'll find the trigger point to get me up into that frequency where I want to exist. So it, it's about having your brain like a pinball machine. And when negativity and self-doubt come in, flick it out. And be a landlord of your own mind. If you're not paying rent in my brain, get out. You're not welcome. Simple as that. Love that. Flick it out. Be a landlord. Yeah, love that, man. Love that. Um, again, really, really powerful message. Um, hopefully, the listeners can relate to that and apply some of the things. Finding a trigger, I find, is everyone's got a song that takes them back to a certain what? time, haven't they? Everyone's got a song. Yeah. Um, yeah, man, love that. Might not be the Pussycat Dolls, but everyone's got a song. Yeah, but I have to be Sometimes it is for me. <laughs> I love that. Just last, last couple of bits, so because I know you're really busy. Um, so the show's called from Rag, um, the Rags to Riches show. So that doesn't necessarily mean going from, you know, homeless to a millionaire. It can, it can be rich in uh, different parts of your life, rich in relationships, rich in love, friendships, obviously monetary terms. But what does being rich mean to you? Um, I think being rich to me is being grateful, having a choice, being able to walk into a shop and have the loveliest feeling of being able to have anything you want. Um, being rich for me is having memories of my best friend and my business partner who died nine weeks ago. And when I look at a sunset now, I think of Gary, which means more to me than anything. Being rich is having a wife who adores me and the only time she gives me a hard time is over her wanting to spend more time with me. Seeing the laughter of my kids can't be bought. It's the biggest rich 
you can even buy, you can't even buy that, man. It's just, it's priceless. My 14 year old, my 21 year old, that's riches beyond belief, seeing those two kids grow up. The, the wealth and abundance and the tsunami of money that keeps coming into my life and your life, those riches can't even be calculated because people like ourselves, it will always continue the rest of our lives because we're money and vast wealth magnets. I think it's the simple things sometimes. Like my mom still texting me, she's turning 70 years old and she is a warrior. She is the reason I wrote Fearless because my mom is, is fearless. Having that text from my mom, having my dad still alive and they're both super happy, that's the biggest riches in my life. All those things. And like I said before, the money's the amazing rich byproduct that keeps coming with our successful life. And it's just part of our journey. And gratitude in my heart also is just second to none. So great answer. I think it's one of the best answers so on the show so far. But also what just something just came came to mind. I've been listening to 10X this morning on audio after I'd done all my mantra and everything. Um and it was the part where he talks about it should be you can have everything and not either or. And you're saying you what you you are rich in all these different parts of your life. And going back to the bonfires as well, you've got everything that you want. Some people still have the view of it. Well, I can't really go to the gym and be dead healthy and fit as well as have a career. It's it's not either or. It's everything, isn't it? And you want you want to be rich in everything, and that that's well, great. It's you can't do it all because it's all a choice. It's a mindset. Even my sobriety, like I've had my falls, like everybody, but it's. It's rich in making the right decisions. Like, I am just so delighted to be a sober guy, too, and going to AA and stuff. Again, I've started going again to keep myself accountable to live this life of my wildest dreams. You know, I you know, I just feel life is a complete blessing. You know, I really do. And once everybody starts realizing that, you know, some things take step back and take a look at yourself and realize, why am I complaining? You're alive. My best friend will never see his two daughters again. So I'm that I'm a billionaire. I'm the richest man in the world compared to that guy. And that's powerful, it. Man. Yeah, man. It, it's a really powerful message. Um, yeah, if you're watching it, you can see Tom's enthusiasm when he's saying that and uh, in, in his conviction. If you if you're just listening, you can probably hear it in his voice. Um, yeah, thank you for that. Just just to wrap up, if anybody wants to reach out to you, Tom, if they want to follow what you're doing, your journey and all that, what's the best way for them to reach out, Tom? Thank you very much. So I am Tom Smith, S-M-Y-T-H, uh, on LinkedIn, Dream Apartments. I'm also Tom Smith, the entrepreneur, on Instagram. Um, I'm on TikTok, I believe. My team would do all that for me. But yeah, please feel free to connect. Uh, and I'm also Tom Smith, Dream Mentor. If you're interested, please send me a DM. I'd be more than happy to speak to you. Amazing. Um, thank you so, so much, Tom. I've loved the episode. Uh, thank you for your time and, and uh, have a fantastic rest of your day. Thank you very much for asking me. I really appreciate it. No probs. Thanks, Tom. Yes.